13th part of the pages. So let's start. He who was chosen for this mission was a courteous knight with good judgment named Akoriyoto, a rich man and an acquaintance. He was a native of the country to have me born in Athens. His ancestors for generations had always exercised lordship in the city. When he had learned that the emperor was in the city, he went and challenged the crown on behalf of his brother Alexander, accusing him openly of having usurped it unlawfully. Arriving at the palace, he finds plenty of people who welcome him, but he says nothing to any of those who greeted him until he learns what is there. Greets him nor bows before him nor calls him her. Alice, he says, he says, I bring gee kinds of Alexander who is out yonder in the harbor. Listen to my brother's message. He asks thee for what he wants to do. Nor does he demand what is unjust. Constantinople, which thou dost hold, should be his and should be his. It should be neither. Just nor right that his part should arise between each other. So give him the crown without compass. It is that thou shouldest surrender it. Alice replies, Fair gentle friend, thou hast undertaken a mad enterprise in bearing this message. There is little comfort in thy speech, for well I know that my brother is dead. I should rejoice indeed to learn that he was still alive. But I shall not believe the news until I have seen him with my eyes. He died some time ago, Alice. What thou sayest is not credible. If he lives, why does he not come? I need never fear that I am not bestowed on him somewhere else. He is a foot me. From me, when serving me, he will find profit. But no one shall possess the crown and hide inside me. I like to know the speech of the emperor and did not fail to speak his mind in the reply he made. Alice, he says, may God confront you if the matter is thus allowed to stand. And if I do in thy brother's name, and rightfully speaking his name. I summon all those whom I see here to renounce thee and to join his cause. It is right that they should summon with him and recognize him their Lord. Let him, who is loyal, now stand forth. I can see this he leaves the court, and the emperor summons those in whom he has most confidence. He requests his dear to ask concerning this defense on his brother's part and wishes to learn if he can trust them to learn no support or help to his brother's claim. Thus he tries to test the loyalty of it, but he finds not one who sides with him in the dispute. 
rather than do it the way all good people remember the war with Ethiopolis undertook against his own body colonists and how each one died by the other's hand. So, too, it may happen to you. If you undertake a war and all the land will be distressed, Therefore, the advice that such a peace be sought as shown be both reasonable and just, and that neither or make excessive demands. This Alex understands that if he does not make an equitable agreement with his brother, all his vassals will desert him. So he says that he will respect the wishes and make any suitable contract. Provided that, however, the affair may run out, the crown shall remain in his possession. In order to secure firm and stable peace, Alice sends one of his officers to Alexander, bidding him come to him in person and receive the government of the land, but stipulating that he should leave to him the honor of emperor in England and of wearing the crown. Thus, if Alexander is willing, peace may be established between them. When this news was brought to Alexander, his men made ready with him and came to Athens, where they were received with the joy. But Alexander is not willing that his brother should have the sovereignty of the empire and of the crown unless he will pledge his word never to take a wife, and that after him, Cleitus should be in peril of Constantinople. Upon this, the brothers both agreed. Alexander dictated the terms of the oath, and his brother agreed and gave his word that he would never in his life take a wife in marriage. So this is made, and they were dear friends again. To the great satisfaction of the lords, they were jealous as their emperor, but all business is referred to Alexander. What he commands is done, only it was done except through him. Alice has nothing but the name of emperor, but Alexander is served and loved, and he does not serve him for love must needs do so from fear. Through the effect of one the other of these two motives he has all the land within his power. But he won he whom they call death spares neither the strong man nor the weak, but kills and slays them all. So Alexander had to them, for this is a court king in its group from which he could obtain a relief. But before he was surprised by death, he summoned his son and said to him, Fair son of Regis, thou canst never know that prowess and valor are time unless thou go first to make test of them with the Bretons and confronted kings Arthur's court. If adventure takes thee tighter, so conduct and thyself, and that thine identity be not unknown until thou hast tried to be trying to be the most excellent knights of the court. 
I beg thee to heed my counsel in this matter, and if the occasion arises, have no fear to measure thy skill with thy uncle. My Lord going, do not forget his advice, I pray. After he had thus exhorted him, he did not live long, so the immersed grief was such that she could not survive him, but died after him of a broken heart. Alice and Cletus both mourned him becoming ill, but finally they ceased their grief, for sorrow, like everything else, must be outlived. To continue in sorrow is wrong, for no good can come from it. So the morning was ended, and the emperor refrained for a long time from taking a wife, being careful of his word. But there is no part in our world which is free from evil counsel. Great men of those three and do not observe loyalty because of the bad advice they take. Thus the emperor hears his men giving him advice and consoling him to take a wife, and then they so exhort and urge him that by their very insistence they persuade him to break his oath and to accede to their desire. But he insists that she, who is to be mistress of Constantinople, must be gentle, fair, wise, rich, and noble. Then his counselors say, say that they wish to prepare to go away to the German land and seek the daughter of the emperor. She is the choice they propose to him. For the emperor of Germany is very rich and powerful. His daughter is so charming that never was there a maid of her beauty in Christendom. The emperor grants them full authority and they set out on the journey, well provided with all they need. They proceeded on their way until they found the emperor at Wittenberg. What, when they asked him to give them? his oldest daughter and the insistence instance of their lord. So that's it for today and this morning. And I'll be keep reading this after uh, in the afternoon. Okay, so bye bye.